variability, not repetition, is the key to mastery. Bruce Lee is reported to have said, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Well, with all due respect to Mr. Lee, he might have been wrong about this one. Variability plays an essential and often neglected role in mastering complex skills. Considerable research shows that practicing in varied contexts, with varied methods, and performing with varied task constraints results in more robust learning than simple repetition. Below, I'd like to review some of the key research to support the role of variability in learning and suggest how you can apply this to your career and studies. Contextual interference. Same method, variable situations. Contextual interference occurs when you practice the same skill but vary the situations in which it is called for. For instance, you could practice your tennis backhand by being served backhand shots repeatedly. Alternatively, your coach could mix things up. You serve some backhand shots interspersed with balls that require a forehand shot. Or imagine preparing for a calculus exam. You could study all the questions that use the chain rule and then all the questions that use the quotient rule. Instead, you might shuffle these questions together so that you can't be sure which technique is needed when you're actually doing them. Contextual interference improves the transfer of learning to new situations. There are a few reasons contextual interference works. Number one, identifying problems correctly and ensuring the correct technique is associated with the problem. A major difficulty in learning isn't getting knowledge into your head, but getting it out at the right time. Practice that repeats the same technique in narrow situations may result in skills that aren't accessible when you need them. Number two, putting similar situations side by side helps you compare them. Seeing two problems that look similar but require different solution methods makes it more likely that you'll attend to the key distinction between them. Number three, the extra effort needed to retrieve the right response may be desirable. According to psychologist Robert Bjork's theory of memory, more difficult retrieval results in greater memory strengthening than easier retrieval. Thus, more variable practice is likely more efficient practice. Abstracting the deep structure. Same idea, different examples. Variability plays a role in abstraction of the deep structure of seemingly different situations. Experts tend to perceive the deep principles of a particular problem. In contrast, novices tend to get distracted by the superficial details. Physics experts, for instance, tend to look at problems and see conservation of energy or forces must be balanced if an object isn't moving. In contrast, novices tend to look at problems and see uh, that's one with a pulley or it's an inclined plane problem. The exact role of concrete versus abstract representations and thinking is controversial in cognitive psychology. Some theorists argue that we reason through storing multiple specific instances of ideas. Others argue that we erase the specifics, leading to generic stereotypes of situations that we deal with. Regardless of whether thinking is fundamentally concrete or abstract, or some mixture of both, seeing multiple examples is central to learning. A central principle of the highly successful teaching strategy, direct instruction, is to present students with examples that span the full range of possibilities for a concept. So instead of teaching students to recognize the letter A by showing the exact same letter, we would show A in a variety of fonts and typefaces. A student learns that all of these represent the same thing to be exposed to by multiple varying examples. 
Siegfried Engelman, one of the developers of direct instruction, argued that we shouldn't just teach concepts tied to particular subjects. Instead, he argued that presenting big ideas across their useful range might be better. For instance, evolution by natural selection could be taught not just in biology, but in contexts of technical innovation or genetic algorithms with computer programming. Without seeing an idea's full range of applicability, we're unlikely to transfer it and apply it in new contexts. Ensuring robust learning. Same strategy, varied problems. A substantial challenge in learning is that the mind economizes on effort. That means that we often fall prey to psychological shortcuts that give us the correct answer, even if they won't benefit us in future situations. One study that looked at this required participants to predict a trajectory. Some participants were given a low variability condition, which only involved a few different possible paths. Other participants were given a high variability condition, which involved a much larger set of different trajectories. The researchers found that the method the participants adopted depended on the variability of the task. When variability was low, participants simply memorized the patterns. In contrast, when variability was high, they simulated the trajectory mentally to find the likely destination. This result shows that when practice has low variability, we often adopt shortcuts that won't necessarily generalize to the broader conditions of a task. These effort-saving maneuvers aren't always conscious, so it's not simply a matter of laziness. This is one reason I caution students when using flashcards for subjects like mathematics. If you're not careful, it's easy to design the cards where you memorize the answer, x equals 7, and not the method. Evolving practice. Same problems varied strategies. Thus far, we've discussed variable contexts, examples, or task conditions. But having multiple methods for generating the right answer is also an important part of mastering complex skills. Developmental psychologist Robert Siegler finds that opposed to the classical picture, in which experts and novices predominantly use a particular method, people frequently use multiple strategies for coming up with answers. In his study of the progression of addition strategies used by children, he found that most children used at least three strategies. Even college students have been shown to use multiple methods for single-digit arithmetic. Following this data, Sigler proposed the moderate experience hypothesis, that strategy variability will be highest when we have some, but not a lot of experience. Relatedly, Vimla Patel documents a similar pattern in thinking of medical students, where intermediate students, but not novices or experts, show the most elaboration in their reasoning about medical cases. Siegler argues that this variability is beneficial. First, the best strategy depends on the current level of the skill. Direct retrieval of the correct addition fact, 7 plus 5 equals 12, is easiest, but it only works when we're confident that we know the right answer. Having an assortment of backup methods is very helpful since it helps deal with situations when we have low confidence. Having multiple strategies for solving a problem is especially important when you aren't yet at the level of mastery. It ensures not only that you have backups that you can fall upon when more difficult methods fail, but it also gives you different reasoning paths to reach the right answer in a pinch. Avoiding local optima. Same challenge, varied task constraints. A classic learning dilemma is avoiding a method that works well enough, but isn't the best possible method. In this view of learning, progress is like trying to find the highest point in a vast frontier. In such a case, it's easy to get stuck on a small hill, even if there's a taller mountain nearby. 
Climbing downhill is hard, and we instinctively avoid changes that might make our performance worse than it would be otherwise, even if we suspect it will make us better in the long run. One way out of this trap is to practice with variable constraints that prevent you from using the dominant strategy. A rock climber who leans towards explosive, dynamic jumps might climb with the constraint of pausing for a few seconds before each new hold, exploring a new style. A writer who leans on personal stories might make a rule to avoid it for a future essay. When is variability good? Watching out for cognitive overload. Most research supports the benefits of variability in practice. However, less variable practice is often better for beginners or lower performing students. The logic here is relatively clear. If you can't perform a method under helpful, simplified conditions, you probably won't benefit from making things harder. Having variable methods may also backfire if some of those methods are buggy or flawed. While Siegler's research found that children rarely adopted addition strategies that violated the aims of arithmetic, other researchers have found that broken algorithms are responsible for children's difficulty in learning more complex algorithms, such as multi-digit subtraction problems. These two considerations moderate taking the extreme stance that all variability is good when learning. Instead, what we want to see is a slow ramp up in variability, starting with clear instructions and concrete examples when a skill is new into increasingly broad contexts as we progress. Applying variability to learning. So given this research evidence, how can we apply variability to learn better? Number one, mix up your problems. If you have to study problems, mix them up so that there aren't clues telling you which strategy you need to use. Mix together unit one and unit two and don't indicate which problems come from which sections. Two, choose opportunities with greater variability. Management consultants who work for a wide range of clients are more likely to learn the principles than those who only work in a single firm or industry. Psychologist Gary Klein reports that inner-city firefighters progressed much faster than rural firefighters, owing to the more varied firefighting conditions. Choosing jobs that have greater variability earlier in your career may lead to better skill development than narrow specializations. Work with multiple teachers, peers, and styles. Learning a language, for instance, benefits from exposure to multiple different speakers, accents, and speaking styles. Learning from multiple teachers is more likely to promote diverse perspectives. Having different peers exposes you to different strategies and is less likely to get you into a rut. Finally, add constraints that force you away from your dominant strategies. Performing skills under different constraints forces you to explore a wider variety of the problem space. This added variability not only helps you discover new strategies, but it kicks you out of ruts that can develop because a suboptimal method is relied on simply because it's easiest. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website at scotthyoung.com.